Well, hello, friends. Want to welcome all of you across the Heritage Network, whether you're joining us from our Bettendorf campus, tuning in online, one of our brothers at the Kiwanis Center, or all of you here at Rock Island, welcome. This is Easter weekend. It's my favorite time of the year to celebrate because it is the flashpoint of life and hope and freedom. And whether you've been coming to Heritage for years, maybe here for the first time, or maybe coming back after some time away, I'm super glad you're here. You picked a great time to lean back in because no matter who we are, what we've done, our tomorrow can be different because of today. Your tomorrow can be different because of today. Your family, your relationships, your workplace can all be different because of today. See, what we celebrate today changes the course of human history. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It changes the trajectory of humanity. But that doesn't matter if we don't know how to live in between what was and what will be. We don't know how to navigate the middle between how it all starts and how it all ends. It kind of reminds me of a Cambridge University study done a while back about the power of the human mind. Maybe you've seen this before. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's fascinating. Let me show you their results. Here's what they said. Can you read that? I actually think you can. I want to invite you to read along silently as I read it aloud. The phenomenal power of the human mind. According to research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess, and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, huh? Yeah, and I always thought spelling was important too. Isn't that fascinating? It's super cool. Kids, students listening here today, please don't go home and tell your parents or your teacher that your pastor said spelling is not important. Spelling is important. The goal is to get the the letters in the right order. But isn't it cool how even when they're not, when we have the first and the last right, we can make sense of it. With the first and the last and all the letters in the middle, we can still make sense of it even if the middle is messy. As long as we still have the middle. Without the middle, it's a totally different ballgame. Without the middle, it's not the same. Let me show you the same information without the middle letters. Are you able to read this? No! We don't even know how to engage that. Without the middle, it's not the same. Or even though we know what it's supposed to say, we just read it, we know what the content is, our mind can't make sense of it without the middle. It's not the same without the middle. That's true in reading and spelling as well as life and things of God. See, the God who created the mind to be able to read like we just read also created it to find ultimate satisfaction in Him. So even when the middle gets complicated, even when the middle becomes messy, we can still make sense of it. As long as we know how the middle connects to the beginning and the end. You know, for a few weeks, we as a church family have been looking at a a number of statements that Jesus made. Statements where he uses the Greek words, ego, I, me, which are just the words I am. Literally meaning, I exist, I happen, I am. He made that statement multiple times. Every time he did it, it wasn't just declaring his existence, he was actually declaring his deity, that he he was God, fully God, fully man. And when he said those things, he was trying to position us to know him more fully, to understand him more deeply, ultimately to get to the point that we knew him as one who was and is and is to come, which is great. But the problem for many of us is that we only ever know Jesus as one who was and will be. 
that he came and that he will come back. That's true. But when we only know him as one who was and will be, came and will come back, we're left without the middle. We're left in this middle space with a bit of ambiguity, with a sense of we have to make a decision based on past and hope alone, and really no real context for relationship in the now. But the thing is, Jesus rose from the dead. So he not only was and will be, he, he is. And because he is, we have the opportunity to engage in relationship now, to experience his power now. We can experience life, full life, now. Because he was, will be, and he is. But even though it's available, it doesn't just happen. We have to do our part. We have to play our part in the messy middle. I want to look at an example of how this plays out. If you have a Bible, I invite you to grab it and turn to the book of John. Fourth book of the New Testament, Gospel of John, John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, totally fine. We're going to put the scriptures up on the screen. But we're actually looking in Scripture at a point that first Easter morning, very early in the morning, before sunrise, where the women who were assigned to take care of Jesus' body are heading to the tomb, and they get to the tomb, and they find out that Jesus isn't there anymore. And immediately it sets off a sequence of running, where Mary Magdalene, one of the women, takes off, and she runs to the disciples, and she tells them, Jesus isn't there. He's gone. And then two of the disciples, Peter and John, take off for the tomb with Mary in tow, and they get there. And after that foot race and a whole bunch of confusion, Peter and John leave, but Mary stays. None of them able to make sense of what they're experiencing because for them, the letters are too far out of sequence. Yet as Mary stays, and she's actually weeping outside the tomb, she ends up looking inside the tomb, and she sees some angels, and the angels say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord, and I don't know where he is. And then at that point, Jesus shows up. And let me tell you, whenever and wherever Jesus shows up, things change. And that's exactly what happens in this interaction. So we're going to read in John chapter 20, starting at verse 14. Take a look at this. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And then verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Jesus appears to Mary first, which is a total, total radical thing. <laughs> Because in the culture and the time of this day, the testimony of a woman was not considered to be valid. Yet in typical fashion, Jesus turns the things of this world on their head. And he uses the unlikely to accomplish the great. And he positions Mary to be the first one to say that he's alive. However, she doesn't actually recognize him initially. It isn't until he says her name. Then she recognizes him and responds, Rabboni. It's very interesting to me that it only took one word for Mary to recognize Jesus. It was by her name that everything became clear. 
Part of that makes sense because names are important. Names gives us, give us context and relationship. They, they bring identity and even define and shape some of the dynamics of affinity and affection within relationships. Names are important. It actually reminds me of the story of a manager of a large company who came across one of his new employees and invited him into his office. And the first question he asked is, what is your name? And the new guy said, my name is John. Well, immediately the manager's face totally changed. He began to scowl. He was visibly irritated. And he said, listen, I don't know what kind of namby-pamby business you've worked at before, but around here we don't call each other by our first names, just last names. I call my employees by their last names only. First names breed familiarity. Familiarity erodes authority. So I call my employees by their last name, Smith or Jones, and I expect to be referred to as Mr. Miller. So now that we have that clear, what, sir, is your last name? Well, taken back and shocked by that exchange, the new guy looked around for a moment and he said, Darling, my name is John Darling. And without hesitation, the manager said, Welcome aboard, John. Glad to have you on the team. <laughs> Names are important. They communicate something. But here's the thing. Jesus calls us by our name. Not to preserve authority and not to avoid awkwardness, but to rescue us and lead us to life. My friends, Jesus calls us by our name to lead us to life in his. Jesus calls you by your name to lead you to life in his. It was about 10 chapters before this moment where Mary's interacting with Jesus outside the tomb that Jesus had another interaction where he actually makes another I am statement. He declares himself to be the good shepherd. And in that space, he says that the good shepherd calls his sheep by name and leads them out. Do you hear that? He calls us by name and leads us out. The great I am calls us by name and leads us out of a life of ruin, a life of worry, a life of fear, a life of addiction, a life lacking anything in any way. He calls us out by name and leads us into full life. Jesus, the good shepherd, invites us to new life. The great I am calls us to life and life to the full. He calls us by name to lead us to life in his. If we will recognize him and respond, we can step into that dynamic. He calls us by name. You know, there's another resurrection moment involving a guy named Lazarus and his sister Mary. This is a different Mary than the one we just read about. But in this moment, Jesus actually calls Lazarus out by name and raises him, raises him from the dead. But in that same space and time, Jesus gives another I am statement. He makes a statement that declares who he is. It's pretty significant. It's found in John chapter 11 and starting with verse 25. I just want to read it to you. He says, I am, ego I me, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When he says that, Jesus proclaims that he is the means by which sin and death are conquered and life is attained. Life in every sense of the word. Whole, healed, forgiven. What he offers in the immediate moment now is spiritual life. To move from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's the space by which we begin to make sense of this messy middle, this thing called life. He calls us out by name. But 
in order to experience that, we have to recognize him and respond. Recognize who he is and respond to who he is. That first morning outside the tomb, Mary did not readily recognize him for who he was. Part of that was her her expectations. I mean, she knew that he had died. She was there at the crucifixion. The last time she saw him, he was beaten brutally, almost beyond recognition, and dead. So she naturally expected him to still be a dead guy, looking much more like he looked on Friday. So she enters into this moment, into this experience, based only on what was, not what is. So this encounter, out of a perspective of what was, she misses the reality of what is, the present reality of Jesus. She thinks he's only a gardener. It was her limited and narrow perspective that caused her to not recognize him right away. But she wasn't the only one to struggle with this in the days to come. Because 10 of the 12 disciples, Judas is gone, Thomas isn't present, but 10 of them are hiding, scared, and sad in a room. Jesus actually shows up after the resurrection to them. They don't recognize him until he speaks peace on them. Then they recognize him because their expectations were something different. Thomas misses this moment, so when he finds out about it, he refuses to believe. He refuses to accept it. He says, I'm not going to believe until I put my fingers in his wounds. And until he's able to do that, he doesn't recognize Jesus for who he is as a risen Lord because his expectations were somewhere else. There were a couple of travelers from a place called Emmaus who were walking along the road. Jesus shows up to them. They have a long conversation, talk about all kinds of things, but they don't recognize him until he holds up bread and blesses it. Until that point, they think he's only a simple traveler. Our expectations can get in the way of recognizing who he is, which then keep us from responding to who he is. Peter doesn't recognize Jesus standing on the shore until his fishing nets are miraculously filled. My friends, we have to first recognize who Jesus is in order to respond to who he is. And that responding process is an ongoing journey. Jesus isn't just something about Easter and Christmas. It's not, he's not just two days in a year that he becomes significant or important. He was, he is, he will be. He, he came, he rose, and he's coming back. But he seeks to have relationship with us now. And just like every other relationship, to have a relationship requires investment and maintenance. Without that, it fades. So whenever we encounter Jesus, whenever we respond to Jesus, it was never intended to be a once and done passing moment. It was always intended to be a lifelong journey of friendship, to be a daily thing of choosing him and pursuing him, of leaning into him in relationship to know him and understand him. That's why he calls us to remain and abide in him as the vine. And if we're going to be able to experience that, it comes with recognizing that leads to responding and ultimately receiving. When we recognize, we can respond, and when we respond, we can receive. Life. Because he's the one who rose from the dead and he gives life. You know, the guy who wrote the book of John, what we're reading out of, as one of those disciples ran to the tomb that morning. In this book that bears his name, in the very first chapter of the book, he speaks to this concept of receiving pretty clearly. I just want to go back to it for a moment. First, this is John chapter 1, starting with verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, responded, he gave the right to become children of God. 
to all who recognize and respond, Jesus gives life. If we recognize who he is, we can respond to who he is and we can receive all that he is and we can become more. But we have to recognize who he is first. It's quite possible for any one of us to bump into somebody and not recognize them. It happens all the time. We, somebody out of context, unexpected, maybe somebody we're not quite familiar with, we just don't recognize them in the moment. But we can also bump into the things of Jesus and not recognize him. Because we think he is just someone who was and will be and we don't have any expectation or perspective that he actually is now alive now, that there is a present reality because he is. Or we can actually have a different expectation where we think he should be doing something different or that he would be something different. All of that can position us not to recognize, which means we can't respond, which means we don't receive. But we can set aside the stuff that keeps us from recognizing him and actually respond to him and receive all that he is as a risen Lord. We just have to respond in order to receive. That first Easter, outside the tomb, Mary did not recognize Jesus for who he was because she had some different expectations. And she couldn't respond to him until she recognized him. But once she recognized him, she responded and everything changed. And the same can be true for you and I. When we recognize and respond, we can receive and everything can change. Everything can be different. I actually want to invite you to sit back and listen to the story of a friend of mine. His name is Murphy. And he's a member of our Kiwani Center campus, and he's serving out the remaining portion of a nearly 20-year sentence. Along Murphy's journey, he spent some time worshiping the Norse god Odin. He was an Odinist. But along the way, he encountered Jesus, and everything changed. So I want you to listen in to my friend Murphy's resurrection story. Check this out. Murphy Falgu, and uh, here's my story. I was raised in a Catholic household, but I never really was taught to uh, trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was as far away from God as anybody could get, and I didn't think God wanted to add anything to do with me. big guy with long blonde hair, he was doing a Bible study, and I really, I really uh, liked what he had to say. And I asked him, I said, I, I just saw you preaching in a, in a Bible study. He said, he said, yeah, I used to be a notice for so many years, and one day I just decided to uh, trust, in, trust in the Lord, and he saved me and uh, brought me back into his flock. And I said, well, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. He said, well, do you want to get saved right now? And I just, overwhelming presence, and I started crying. And he said, well, I'll get on my knees with you right now, and we'll pray. And that's what, what happened. And that was uh, February 23rd, 2013. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the greatest day of my life. It really is. It, it chokes me up just thinking about it now. I was in prison before 2013, and I'm in prison now, but I'm just, I was, I was in prison 
spiritually, emotionally, and physically before 2013. Now I'm just in prison physically. I'm not in prison anymore up here or in here. Murphy, in light of the decision you made in 2013, and even now in your declaration that Jesus is your Lord, it is my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm free. You know, I just come. My friends, Murphy is living proof that by the resurrection of Jesus, we can be free. We can be made new, made whole, positioned to make sense of this messy middle, this thing called life. Because Jesus is. Because he is, everything can change now. He, he died and rose again then for you today, for you and I today. If we respond, if we recognize and respond, if we respond and receive, everything can change. And when I say everything, I mean heart and mind and soul. New life, made new by a resurrected Lord. But even though that is available, it doesn't just happen. We have to play our part. Jesus can declare who he is all he wants. He can conquer sin and death, but it'll mean nothing in our lives, no hope, no freedom, no forgiveness, no life, until we recognize, respond, and receive. When we recognize who he was, and we respond to he, who he is as a risen Lord, then we can receive all that can be and will be. But if we don't recognize who he is, we cannot respond. And if we do not respond, we cannot receive. But maybe Easter 2019 will be the day that you choose to respond as you hear him call you by name. He's more than a gardener, more than a simple traveler. He is Jesus, a risen Lord. He paid a sin debt that you and I could not pay. He came to save and he will come back to reign as king, as Lord. But he actually invites you and I into relationship now to know him as Savior and Lord today. If we will recognize, respond, and receive. He can actually move us from where we are stuck to being free. He can take what has been broken in our lives and make it whole. He can take what has been dead, what we think is irreconcilable, and he can bring it back to life and reconcile. If we will let him, if we will respond and receive, if we'll follow him, even if he doesn't do what we expect in the way we expect. So maybe Easter 2019 is an opportunity, the day for you to respond to him as he calls you by name. Maybe for the first time, to actually respond to him for the very first time and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Or maybe in a recommitment, a reaffirmation, because you now recognize him at a new level. An opportunity to step fully into who he is 
He can make you new and make you whole. When we recognize who he is, we can respond. When we respond to him, we can receive. Respond to him today, my friends, as resurrection and life. Your life will never be the same. Your tomorrow can be different because of today. A day where you get the first and the last letters in the right spaces while retaining the middle, no matter how messy the middle has been, he has risen Lord can help you make sense of it as it connects to how it all starts and how it all ends. Savior and Lord. Respond. In fact, I actually want to give all of us an opportunity to do just that, to respond. The way we respond to Jesus is actually in a conversation, just to talk to him in, the, in a prayer, a prayer where we just acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. And if you feel and sense him calling your name today, you recognize the love he demonstrated on the cross and emptying that tomb, and you, and you sense that he wants to lead you out of a life of complexity and messiness into something new. If you, if you sense that today, no matter where you've been or what you've done, he actually wants to give you life and life to the full new life today. So I want to invite you to respond and to specifically respond by praying a prayer like this. And maybe you will pray this prayer right where you're at, silently as I read it aloud. And if this is a prayer you've prayed before and you're good with Jesus today, pray for those who will be praying this prayer today for the first time or as a recommitment. But this is the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I recognize you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I choose to respond to you as my Lord and Savior. And by faith, I receive new life in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, my friends, you have recognized, responded, and received a new life. You are a child of God. He says to all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. And I celebrate that with you. It's the beginning of an amazing journey. We want to celebrate that with you. And in fact, and invite all of you, just reach forward. You find a card in the seat back in front of you or on the seat when you came in. Everybody just grab one of these cards, take a look at it on the side that says all things new. Because a risen Lord actually wants to make all things new in your life. And I want to encourage you, before you leave today, to respond and acknowledge your response. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I want you to fill this out, declare what you did, and let us know. We want to celebrate with you, but we also want to come alongside with you and walk the journey, give you some resources, point you to some next steps, maybe even give you a Bible if you don't have one. There's going to be some instructions at each of the campuses of what to do with this, but I encourage everyone to actually fill this out because we all respond today. It's just a matter of how. And if you responded by receiving him today, let us know. I encourage you to even take this card to the next steps area connect with the folks there, get a Bible if you don't have one, but to continue to take next steps. This is just the beginning of an adventure. So having talked with him, I will encourage you to tell someone else about it. Just like Mary, when Mary encountered the risen Jesus, she turned and went and told others. There's something about that action that takes an internal decision and just solidifies it and deepens it. So I will encourage you to fill that card out. Instructions will be coming at your campus for what to do with it. But as we take some next steps here now, we step back into worship together in song, I want to invite you to continue to respond to Jesus. We all respond. It's just a matter of how. And maybe today you're waiting for some more proof and you want to put your fingers in some things to make sure before you acknowledge him. Continue to have conversation. Maybe you haven't recognized him at all and there's something in the way because you thought he would be here or do something different. But maybe you did respond, and today you sit in a place of new life as a child of God. 
whatever it is in these next few moments, I invite you to talk to him as, as we pray and then as we sing. Because as we recognize who he is, we can respond, and when we respond, we can receive. And your tomorrow can be different because he conquered sin and death and makes all things new. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing and I invite you to continue in a posture and conversation with Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your great love. I thank you that you came and you lived and you died because you loved us. You came to pay a sin debt we couldn't pay and because you have conquered sin and death, we can have life. Jesus, I pray in these next few moments for everyone across our network that you will speak, that you will, we will hear your voice as good shepherd. We will hear you call us by name and we will take a next step in recognizing you and responding to you as savior and Lord and receiving all that you offer as a risen king. So in these next few moments, speak and lead, draw us to yourself and may we each respond in love and fullness of life as we experience you and know you this day, Easter 2019. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen.